0: Damn, this is a long. I was gonna read the whole thing, but it's long. He wrote like a whole ass paragraph about McCain. Here's what Trump said today through his weird like posting stuff and then getting people to post it on Twitter now because he's banned from Twitter. Statement by Donald J. Trump, 45th president of the United States. Isn't it funny that Megan McCain, who has always <laughs> been a bully. Basically, a low life <laughs> is now complaining that it was she who was bullied by the slobs and radical left maniacs at the View. This is <laughs> the fucking poor president. He's also, he capitalized slobs.
1: <laughs> it, it's always a highlight when the president starts a sentence Isn't it funny that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I made it possible, this is the funniest fucking part Using the powers
1: of the executive to enter roast mode
0: (laughs) At at the request of many of her representatives I made it possible for her father to have the world's longest funeral (laughs) (laughs) Designated and orchestrated by him Even though I was never, to put it mildly a fan. <laughs> Thank you for your restraint there, Mr. President.
1: <laughs> Why God, does the president have back. to let anyone have a long funeral? What, where were you involved? <laughs> it was a state funeral. So I guess oh, the,
2: yeah, the trade-off... Good. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, this I was about terrible. to say the trade-off was him not going, him not having to go, but then again, no one wanted him there. So it's... uh yeah. it,
1: he should have gone.
2: He did sort of let us down by not going and giving this speech
0: at the funeral, <laughs> funeral. which would have been amazing. That would have been fucking, With him, there was always like yeah, it was always like that. What's funnier? Him not going or him going it, either way. It's insulting and weird. God, I miss him. Continuing in his own very special way. He was a rhino. He keeps talking about this rhino thing. <laughs> he called Colin Powell one too. Conservation rhino. is so important. I'm sorry. He was a rhino's rhino, so he was like. Oh, a <laughs> That's
1: like when like you have an shot, even yeah. pointier horn than the other rhinos.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the only the other rhinos understand the meta rhinoing you're doing, and they right. love a th- they all a get finger hide.
2: A, if you're a Trump, <laughs> rhinos are what you shoot and put on your wall illegally.
0: That's true. Uh, When when a rhino's rhino is on stage, all the other rhinos gather in the back of the room to watch, and the audience doesn't understand (laughs) how they're not watching him. Because it's It's a rhino talking. We don't understand their
2: language, how they communicate.
0: I'm doing comics comic. Does everyone follow? It doesn't matter. I get it. (laughs) Despite... his fighting against me, I won Arizona by a lot in 2016 and won Arizona by even more in 2020. Unfortunately, the vote counters in 2020 were far more important than the candidate. In parentheses, see the determinative report issued Wednesday by the Arizona auditor. This is when he just like sort of meanders off like Lenny Bruce when he was old and he would just meander off into legal bullshit when he was on stage. Yeah, No one cares about this shit anymore. Okay, and then he gets back on track and goes, "I have since found out that McCain, who was close to last in his class at Annapolis." <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> said, the, <laughs> said the fake and totally discredited scam dossier to the FBI hoping to stop the in parentheses, or in quotes Trump train <laughs> in any event. Megan should fight the communists instead of explaining how they beat her, hurt her, and made her physically ill. (laughs) She should go back against the loser. In capital L, losers of the view. (laughs) The way (laughs) she fights. He just randomly capitalizes words when he's like extra insulting to someone.
1: Well, you capitalize it when you take a pause and go, losers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She should fight back against the losers of the view the way she fights against uh, very good and well-meaning Republicans, and she would do herself a world of good! Exclamation point. And that's the end of... I don't Signed even
1: know the president.
0: <laughs> I mean, I didn't stop to think, like, why did he put this out? This is just like a What did text she do? <laughs> she left the view.
2: And that, to him, I think is the most uh, despicable thing, that she Ma'am, would you have not abandoned stay... Your post. Right, <laughs> yeah. the fact that she wouldn't stay and attack, 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 and fight back, I think, was uh, despicable to him.
1: Now, in our hour of need, when the Trump train is refueling,
0: <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, to him, that's war. TV <laughs> is war, so he's right. like, you know, he, she's more of a soldier than uh, than her dad. To him, really, more of a right. soldier
1: than her dad.
0: And then, she the get it get captured. It's like side. Donald Trump as performed by Alec Baldwin. Wow. And then he shoots somebody. Did you guys hear about that? Excellent (laughs) segue. Thanks. Learn from the best. Um, (laughs) Is it uh, uh, too... Did it just happen? Should we not? I don't know. Slaughter on set. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Oh, yeah, wait, let's start the show. Hi, I'm Jake Flores. Ah, I'm not Donald Trump, despite the fact you may have been fooled by my flawless impression of him. That sounds mostly <laughs> like me. uh I'm here. Alex Patak is here. And I'm Donald Trump. Anders Lee is here. St. Paul's
1: favorite, Anders Lee here. Ooh. Is Saint that Paul- so? It's actually we'll not so, but we'll
2: see about that. No one is. uh you, it, Everyone's too polite to correct me when I say I'm
0: St. Paul's favorite in St. Paul. That's how you be it. Actor
1: Alec Baldwin has committed murder on set.
0: <laughs> yeah. What do you think happened? Like, he's such an asshole that it, you your brain wants to probably tell the story he did something bad and killed someone right well
1: we have to say before we discuss the many theories because i feel like this could be another two hours long podcast uh if you are not plugged into the internet on uh set for his next hot film which apparently is largely anti-union staffed alec baldwin went to go fire a prop gun uh which just went off with a real bullet and killed the director of photography which is like one of the most important positions in making a
0: movie (laughs) Yeah, also, she was, like, a young, like, rising star in the industry. It's very sad.
1: Yeah. And then she was murdered by
0: Alec Baldwin. Of all the ways to die. Of right. <laughs> all the Baldwins. I would be so mad if I was, like, oh, but you, damn it.
1: Right, there had to be, like, a minute, like, after she'd been shot where she was, like, what the fucking Alec Baldwin? this cowboy movie or whatever this shit is right and
2: that's the weird thing because it's yeah it's uh i mean it's pretty funny that it was alec baldwin but it's a very sad incident um you know but if it was and i think if it was any other actor we wouldn't have the same reaction you know what i mean like if it was
1: there's a cast of actors where i would have this reaction right if it was Camille, i would have this reaction Someone who's,
2: someone who's more beloved than Alec Baldwin, because a lot of people don't like him anymore. We watch him, but he's not uh, well-liked or as well-liked as he once was. If it was somebody like, I don't know, Michael Shannon, who plays bad guys, but people adore
0: I mean, there's a million different. Uh, this is a refillable bit. Just a, sure. just a bunch of different character actors that it would be incredibly bizarre to be shot and killed by, like Steve Buscemi. Why? Like
1: it's all. Strange. And there's a whole other angle of it too, where what if you were shot and killed by Mr. Bean? Because you'd be there, and you'd be like, "I should have known." <laughs>
0: yeah, you should. yeah,
1: I walked right into this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah and that's...
1: then the narrative right now that we're all pretty settled on as a collective online is uh uh, uh the non-union elements of this shoot set up and a non-union non prop master set up dangerous work conditions where i guess like i don't know how, how like making a prop gun works like like if the guy just was like ah, i'm running out of time i i gave him a real gun they got yeah. a real gun. No one's going to notice. Looks just like a gun. Well, this I, happens I believe a lot. it
0: happened on the crow. And that's how fucking yeah. Brandon Lee died. Unless you believe the conspiracy theories about the <laughs> and stuff.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, that was like 30 years ago. And that inspired. And there are a couple other incidents, too. Like, uh, I think Linda Hamilton went like deaf in one ear during Terminator 2 when she shot a gun in an elevator. Um, but there, there were a lot of safety precautions put in place. After the crow, and after a couple of other incidents in the eighties, um,
1: but you're not you allowed know, to the people the, who them, the actors anymore.
0: It'd be cool if after <laughs> this Alec Baldwin like becomes the crow because he's so remorseful. <laughs> that could happen. I think it's it's going to end up, and this I'm is so the most all the time.
2: Maybe the <laughs> most tragic part of this is this is going to end up in a one man show from Alec
0: Baldwin. God damn! Please no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But it apparently it wasn't a real bullet, so I think it may have been a real gun, and it was supposed to be blanks. But whoever was in charge of that fucked up and thought the you know got the boxes mixed up. Um,
1: I think Stephen it,
2: Baldwin is behind this. That could be. That's probably what he's doing for work now: is a scab framing
1: Alec Baldwin <laughs> <laughs> but like, for murder. But
2: people like blanks are actually still pretty dangerous. But there's a clear safety. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there's but never this been was a not better a blank. time to talk about this. It really. This
2: was a, a real bullet. So it's it's just, you know, this wasn't even a blank. Um, that's how badly they fucked it up. It was a live round. So, yeah, sad
1: situation. Not funny and sad. But do you yeah. know who else is, was killed this week? Democracy, as we all prepare for the next big vote. At the voters booth.
2: Excuse me. I'm sorry. It may not have been a real bullet. I guess we don't know that yet. So it may have been a blank. We don't know.
0: Yeah. The Baldwin situation is unfolding as we speak. I just. We'll keep you updated. Do you think they were like filming a scene or do you think he was just like gesturing with a gun in one hand and a fucking martini in the other? And just like. Yeah, well, why don't you, bah, you know? You got to kind of no, imagine that guy is
1: always gesturing
2: with a gun. He was supposed to be walking out of a church, in, like, I guess, in a
0: shootout, and so he shot. Too um, many of
1: you are shooting the director of cinematography when you should be going to church.
0: <laughs> and she's not an actor. Like, she wasn't in a scene. I guess we'll just find out as this thing on... Un- I think world.
1: Anders knows
2: more than he's telling us. Well, it... it uh he, you know, fired it. And in theory, it should have been a safe distance. But maybe that was not the right precautions there. We're not taken with distance. Um, but, yeah, I guess we don't know yet if it was a real bullet or a blank. Although I thought it was a bullet a second ago.
1: Well, one um, thing's it, for sure. We're in shooting distance of the next big election on Day, right. November okay, 5th.
0: Yeah, you're right. Whatever you're it is, <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> not a true crime podcast. We're not doing the soy face about true crime and shootings and stuff. You've never you a show if you want to hear people do the open their mouth like a cartoon, like a Wojak, yeah. and throw confetti at you, and then talk about a a Netflix show they watched about a murder. It's a great gig. Two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a month. God damn.
1: Is it too late for <laughs> us to pivot? Nope. Um, hey, you know what
2: is also shooting uh people in the state of Virginia where there's an election on November second, as well as elections around the country. And you know who might be firing blanks is their gubernatorial enemies. nominee for the Democratic Party, Terry McAuliffe. He is shooting blanks, he's infertile
0: or uh, unable to be pregnant. <laughs> So you're implying he had a vasectomy, or is it he brutal? had a vasectomy? Can't, he left his
1: laptop, a laptop on his nuts for too long. <laughs> That's right. Terry McAuliffe is running to.
2: So Virginia has a funny thing where you can't be a governor for two terms in a row. So he took four years off, and now he's running to become governor again. And he might lose to Republican. And I don't know why they nominated him. He sucks. I hate him. I think he just ran. Honestly, in the first place, because he was—he's a, a consultant, and he wanted to be able to hang out with Bill Clinton and talk about times where they were both in office and had to do politician stuff.
1: The dream that was the,
2: yeah, that was the point of him running in the first place. And now he's running again. Uh, and this is a guy who you know brings in a lot of money, but is like just a shitty candidate. Honestly, this is someone who. On the way home from the hospital, when one of his children was born, he stopped at a Democratic Party fundraiser.
1: I got a fresh baby here. Who wants to touch it? Right, the goo's still on the baby. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so he, this is a close race, and they're already finding a way Come to take blame part in
1: the gubernatorial process. <laughs>
2: <laughs> My favorite word in the world: gubernatorial. Um, yeah, but it he might like lose. A comedy
0: club or something
2: gubernator yeah yeah the gut go- yeah the governor's what is that one in long island the governor's whatever um so
0: McGoobies, which is a real club
2: right that's one and governor's island or governor's ball is one in new york i forget the name but anyway music
0: festival but sure that's yes um, they should call it the gubernatorial music festival i'm sure that run the jewels will have a much better time announcing ooh. that as they come on stage yeah what's 100%. up gubers <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so this is already being blamed on the left that Terry McAuliffe might lose because progressives are holding up this uh, bipartisan infrastructure bill um, that is has some spending on it on roads and stuff. But a lot of it is going to go to private firms to do this shit and bail out of uh, fossil fuel inter- industry, blue hydrogen. They're pumping money into that, which is a shit show. Uh, so they're already finding a way to, to blame the left on the, on that at the national level. At the local level, I think there is some hope here and there. Good race is happening.
1: A we sparkle got sparkle
2: in the eye of America. That's right. India Walton um, could become the first so- socialist mayor of Buffalo, which would be a huge deal. But I am not uh, holding my breath on this one. It is, I think, going to be very close. Because Byron Brown is commanding a lot of money coming in and uh, a lot of fear tactics. He's still a write-in, right? He is a write-in, yes. And what I've advised them to do is start the India Walton campaign is to start referring to him as Brian Brown to confuse
0: people. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good because if you have a name like that, you get people get really pissed people off. People probably call him Brian all the time. Brian. <laughs> I'm Byron. I've been mayor for 20 years. And I guess it would invalidate all those write-ins where people got it wrong. But this is probably why they ordered a bunch of
2: stamps, because apparently it's legal under New York state law to stamp a name on the ballot. So they're giving voters stamps with the name Byron Brown in good handwriting, and they're just going to bump it on there.
1: This is... Um, a real test for like, is our democracy mostly broken or all the way broken where a guy who's not even on the ballot can win just by injecting a hundred million dollars into the airwaves before the election starts? <laughs> right. And money from Republicans, too. It's uh and yeah,
2: this week. And I was actually sort of glad this happened, to be totally frank. But New York Democratic Party chair Jay Jacobs was asked. What What's the deal? Why are you endorsing Byron Brown? You're the Democratic Party chair. Someone won the Democratic nomination for Mayor of Buffalo, and you're endorsing her opponent. And he says, okay, well, if David Duke were to become the Democratic nominee for Mayor of Albany, would I have to endorse
1: him? Somebody just as bad as India Walton? Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. In I like my eyes,
1: because I'm a vulture? <laughs>
0: I feel like the second act of this is him going, well, I'm not comparing her to David Duke. And then everyone yeah. went, well, what are you doing? <laughs> right.
1: You're the That's only exact- one who brought him up. We weren't talking about him before.
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: I mean, yeah. So he he did
2: add the caveats in the original interview. They're not in the same category. Well, if they're not in the same category, then why are you talking about him? Why is it a problem for you to endorse the Democratic nominee if she's not anywhere near this uh, reducto absurdo ab- to use a little Latin example that you're using. Um, I mean, I got to say, I'm glad that this happened because for a couple of reasons. One, we can't depend on state democratic parties in most places, unless we take them over, like in Nevada, the left cannot depend on the infrastructure and the leadership for these democratic parties to help us win. They have a vested interest in making sure we don't win. And number two, this is exactly what they want us to not do is win their primaries because it puts them in this position where they have donors and they're part of a political class that does not like the left. That's the main thing they're against is making sure we don't actually give workers, renters control of their livelihoods. And Um, as we
1: saw in the 2020 election nationally the political capital class is able to move to head these concerns off. But the question of whether they can do it for like a small town in New York is a, is a different test. I want a big city in New York
2: before we piss off any Buffalonians. Uh It's not a
1: town. It's a wonderful
0: city. It's a big curvy city. You just want to put your hands all over. It's it's more than just wings. All right. It's not (laughs) just the wings. We, there's a rich art cultural scene, Uh, uh, but like there's a Cheese. This doesn't matter, this doesn't do anything, but it is kind of nice to see, like, the unmasking in the moment where you, someone like this does get put in a situation where they literally have to be posed the question, are you saying that a socialist is the same thing as the Ku Klux Klan? And, you know, they, they have to kind of, like, people have to think about that for a moment and go, is there actually like an anti-left agenda here? Because the a lot of what the Democratic Party does to idiots who aren't paying attention and stuff is sort of like subtly imply like, oh, we're the Labor Party. You know, we're the we're, we love all that stuff. Right. Uh,
1: we're we're a, a bunch of fucking communists. You know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, So, like, I I guess to me, it's just cathartic to see that. I don't think that it actually like, oh, we proved someone's a hypocrite. Now they're all going down. But right. And it
2: it. shows something else, which is the true nature of the American political system, which is that the two party system is very strong. The parties themselves are not uh, the state is the institution that controls primary elections not the party it's different with caucuses but in most places we have primaries and you don't go to your local democratic party headquarters to run in a primary you don't go there to vote in a primary it happens through the state board of elections and that's what people i think need to understand on the left before we talk about oh the number one priority needs to be uh starting our own party well what is a party right is it just a ballot line because uh in theory, you know, Byron Brown would be bucking the two-party system, but he's not because that the name on the ballot, uh, the letter on the ballot, rather, next to your name is not what matters. It's the institutional support. It's the money. It's the uh, volunteer base. And David Duke is actually, quite frankly, a great example of this because in, I believe, 1990, and listeners to Slowburn will remember this, he won the Republican nomination for governor. And there was nothing the Republican establishment could do about it. They did not endorse him. They're like, well, this is bad for Louisiana. Uh, they were still at that point pretending to not be racist. This is
1: the guy so we the, use as an example of what other bad guys are like.
2: Right. Yeah. yeah. So they had to they had to endorse the Democrat and just like it, But and legally, there was nothing they could do, though, because he won the Republican primary. And it's not the leadership's uh, decision who runs in that primary. They influence it they decide who runs um, but they can't control people from the outside from running you know or they I mean they they select their candidates and support them but they can't stop insurgents if they're organized enough and that's what's happened in in Buffalo and I think it's a great thing
1: so we'll check back on what's happening in Buffalo when that race wraps up I think everybody who's listening to this is pretty solidly on India Walton's side for that. David
0: Duke's camp we're all in it. (laughs) We're all
1: in uh, we're all on Duke University campus. Uh, well, what other races are going on? What's hot? What votes are hot right now, Anders? Well, your hometown of Boston, Massachusetts, has That's right. a hot
0: race. I was born in the Charles Baldwin Town. They call it. Is it? Why do um, they call it that? Wait, are they from Boston? Or did I make that up? I'm pretty sure they are. I'm, hold on, I'm checking. Oh, the Baldwins. I think they're from like Long Island, if I'm not mistaken. Jamie, I, <laughs> um, I started saying that on every podcast I'm on now. Oh, uh, yeah. Look that up.
1: No, <laughs> Andrews no, is right. Here. I'm I'm Jamie here. He's right there from Long Island.
0: Oh, never mind. How did I know that? Similar
1: vibes. That?
0: Long he's, Island and yeah. Boston. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Big white hockey boys.
0: Yeah. That's right. Anyway, Boston. Uh, that's gone. Right.
2: Boston. So. For the first time in that city's history, there will be not only be a woman mayor, but a WOC mayor. The question is, who will it be? The question we is, have...
0: which,
1: which of these exactly. lovely ladies will be leading Bean Town?
2: <laughs> That's right. And I've watched a couple of debates, and the two contenders are Michelle Wu, who has a great sign. It's just her name with an exclamation point. So it's just woo, woo.
1: yeah, woo. That's genius a great marketing,
2: All right? And in the other woo. corner, we we have Anissa Asabi George. And watching the debates from an outsider perspective, uh, I prefer Michelle Wu, hands down. But um, I, the debates I watched, it seemed like Anissa Asabi George gave a better performance, uh, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that she has. An incredibly thick Boston accent, so thick, she cannot pronounce her own first
0: name. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. It's like a fucking roast joke.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and this is what I don't understand about Boston, right? Because she says her name is Anissa, and she pronounce it, pronounces it Anissa.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and they have this
2: very strange. Maybe you can explain this. Because Boston is famous for dropping ours. Right. A car in Boston is pronounced Ka.
1: Ka, but you know, then
2: they, have they put yard. the R's back in at places they're not supposed to be.
1: Well, what a lot of people don't understand is it is not a policy of eliminating R's. The R's are borrowed from other words where they are not there. Aniser, um, uh, 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 uh I can't even think of the other ones, but they just pop up all the time. Um, Give me a
0: slice of pizza. 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 <laughs> wait.
1: They're borrowed when we use all of our slurs with the R's in them. You're not supposed to say, and you hit every consonant in it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. The, uh, I, um, well, <laughs> you
1: know yeah. what they are. Fill it in at home.
0: It's just like an old joke about Boston people where it's like, why are they, the the only word you can pronounce the R in is that one? What's <laughs> why? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Not even specifically thinking of, uh, you know, the the N word. I'm mostly thinking of the R word, which has two R's. You just slam right. with right. every well, dropped R in your vocabulary. I don't know if the Boston accent
2: gets the second R in. It's my word, so I can say it. Uh, with a soft R-E-T-A-R-D. Up. You know, it's usually Todd and not er,
0: hard, right?
1: Well, it depends yeah. on how passionate you are that day. Okay. No, it
0: depends if you're down, you know. If you're like a rapper, like you're saying, like my, you know, yeah. friends over here. Or if you've been
1: people, given a pass,
0: let's get <laughs> Bostonian in here. Yeah. Um, like that fucking that song was so bad. I can't believe <laughs> they said that. I think it was great. It was honestly. the most popular
1: I, song in the nation for like two yeah. years. Before
2: it was changed to. The Great Betrayal, when it was changed to Let's Get It Started in here. That's true.
1: They're covering Uh, it up.
0: There's not the words. I thought those were just separate verses.
1: Oh, are they? Okay. No, 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 Anders is correct. They did the the radio version is Let's Get It Started. And then they also organically say that in the song as a rhyme. But uh, we know what they're saying. Yeah, they're talking about doing so many drugs. I thought it was
0: couplet. It was let's get it started in here, comma. Let's get in here. You know
1: it? Yes. Well, that is what it is. But for the radio version, they say the same thing twice.
0: I see. Okay.
1: Yeah. On account of how incredibly offensive it is.
0: (laughs) I mean, (laughs) as
2: someone who was called has been, you know, called the R word a number of times for a good reason, I I think it's a good word, and it fits. Yeah, I don't say it because people will get mad at me. That's my only reason. It's uh, Latin. But I
1: th-
2: <laughs> there you go. It it's in classical music. It fits in that song because it's about, you know, letting loose and being
1: free, really. And that's the essence of being a bleep. That's right, Anders. And thank you for giving me that pass. But uh, what other what other elections okay. do we want to talk about so, before we we'll let, segue yes, here. Let me, Let's <laughs> talk about Boston. So... Um, I watched
2: a couple of these debates and Anissa Sabi George is hitting strong. Like she's coming out negative And at the first debate, they were afraid to sort of uh, get tough with one another. And then uh, Anissa Sabi George is like, I'm the one who's in community. I don't think you're in community. I'm in community all the time. I'm getting things done on the city council. You're not getting things done. And uh, you want to defund the police um, because there's, you know, that's an issue in this campaign. Uh Michelle Wu wants to reallocate money as Indy Walton does to things like mental health services and have police do less shit, which is good. Um, and that's of course uh, being, you know, uh, pitched as this is a, a, this is a defund race. Um, and I love how big stupid issue,
1: everything is all the time. You yeah. Know? It's, it's hard the only to have way a, I wake up in the morning to see what is being misunderstood that day. Right. And another thing she's
2: being accused of defunding is the T train, public transit. That's the that's the subway in Boston, right? The T. It's like my opponent
1: hates the red line and she doesn't want (laughs) anyone taking it all the way to sandwich. I mean, honestly, yes,
2: she uh, Michelle Wu is being accused of wanting to defund the T train. And what does that mean? Well, she wants it to be free which is something they have done in Boston with a bus line and it's been very successful because even if it's not that much money, you're running to catch the bus, you don't have a lot of time, you know, you're, you are you got a really small time crunch in between class and work and you don't have time to go to a corner store, buy a pack of gum, get $2 in change back and use it on the bus. It's so much better for it to just be free for everybody. Dude,
0: it should, you pay taxes. It should be free and it should run 24 hours and there would be so much less drunk driving and all sorts of shit. Exactly. It's fucking abysmal that this isn't a thing in like every city. This country is a fucking failure. It's insane. So right. we have that and bathrooms everywhere. We do not have a society. Uh-uh.
1: Right. My opponent it, is trying to get rid of the Charlie card because she is trying to defund the Viet Cong. <laughs> in all the ways they support our public infrastructure. But so that is the
2: talking point being against, some of the talking points being used against Michelle Wu uh, in the Wu train, which is another, uh, I think, genius slogan. Um, okay. So after this debate, I was like, well, shit, Anisha Shabi George yeah. is going to win this thing because she's got the accent and she's willing to go negative. Michelle Wu, quite frankly, I like her policies. I like her. She is not a great debater, and when she's speaking, a lot of the times it's, it seems like she's about to start crying.
1: You so kind that of make had, it sound like she is the Elizabeth Warren, like, second in command, kind of, and like she, she's the
2: appointed Warren follow-up. She is. She was endorsed by Elizabeth Warren. Um, Ooh, it however, after I watch this debate, I see a poll, Michelle Wu is winning by 30 points. In the polls, so yeah, so that's a good thing. Um, It's the most
1: racist city in America wins again.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But I think one of the reasons that she's winning, and this has come up in the debates, there, uh, is the issue of rent control, Um, which Anissa Sabi George has hit Michelle Wu hard on again because she says rent control doesn't work; it's never worked which is an argument that's used uh, against rent control, that that it's going to mess up these mom-and-pop landlords. It's going to mess with them, and we can't do it. It's worked nowhere, but it has. A lot of states have it. New York, New Jersey, California, plenty of cities, over 200 cities, something like that, have rent stabilization laws. And uh, as it turns out, um that's actually a popular position because and this this is what is what screws with your head you're like oh no yeah what about these mom and pop landlords they're going to vote against it and they it's unpopular amongst them and they they're uh, going to tank it but that's actually a pretty small uh, portion of the population in a city like boston uh yeah and that's the reason I think a big part of the reason Michelle Wu is was winning because rent control is supported by an overwhelming majority of Bostonians.
1: See, you you may be able to trace it to something as clear as policy, but what you have to understand is there's a psychological element, in it, and this is between two key characters in the Boston diaspora, which is the uh, furious townie who is screaming all the time for no reason. And the woman who won't stop crying and the woman who won't stop crying usually carries a more powerful social uh, social display like you will get kicked out of class by the person who's screaming all the time. But you get kicked out of school by the vice principal who's crying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is
2: Michelle Wu. She's the vice principal principal of Boston right now. She's an outlarge city councilor and has she's like. There And that's the big thing. And I'm I'm realizing again and again and again, it's like, yeah, debates are important and giving speeches and all that stuff. But what really matters in local politics, especially, is just showing up. And that's, I think, a good thing for the left, right? Because that's something we can do. We can't always spend a lot of money. We can't always get the most well-groomed and polished candidates to run, but we can show up to shit. and. That's what's kind of given me hope this week. Okay. All right. So without further ado, we will, speaking of showing up for local issues, take a look at my hometown of St. Paul, Minnesota, and talk to somebody there who is pushing their own rent control ordinance, which will be uh, in referendum uh, this November, on November 2nd. So please vote for that and to hear why and to hear how you, no matter where you are, and I think it's a very important issue for the left to be able to understand and pitch rent control in a succinct way that is accessible to most people. We are going to speak with Tom Baskins. Without further ado, let's go to that interview.
1: Let's roll the tape.
2: We are now joined by a man, some call Mr. St. Paul, and that is Tom Baskin, who is the uh, mastermind. He's uh, fully behind, he's, he's pulling the strings behind this evil campaign to destroy the real estate industry in St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, with a ballot proposition that is to establish rent stabilization in my hometown of St. Paul. Uh, Tom, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. Mr. St. So Paul himself. What can I say?
0: Mr. St. Paul. Andrews, you always say something completely insane right at the beginning of setting something like this up. I very, I very, very much appreciate it. Mr. St. Paul, that's not, not real, right?
3: Uh, no, people do call me that, which is embarrassing, but um, oh. I've just decided to lean into it instead of wincing away. How did that nickname come <laughs> about? Uh, I um live in St. Paul and as you know, Minneapolis mm. is right across the river. And um we have a fake rivalry that I take very, very city seriously. I think Minneapolis is a disgusting Uh-oh. place full of decadent people, much <laughs> like New York and DC. You people disgust <laughs> me. <laughs> oh yeah.
2: yeah, I mean I'm from St. Paul and uh I here's the I thing discussed I disgusted
1: w- with myself. <laughs>
2: Somewhat. Well yeah, that was that predated my leaving St. Paul, but uh I actually like Minneapolis. I lived there for a while, but this is my big bugbear, is people forgetting that St. Paul exists. And That's a constant through line. If somebody comes to I don't know, the XL Energy Center and does a show, they're like, Thank you, Minneapolis. And it's like, this is not Minneapolis, it is St. Paul. Katie Couric famously said that the RNC in two thousand eight was in Minneapolis. Oh it was my literally God. in St. Paul. Um, I have friends. She'll never recover from this. This is <laughs> this is the level of like Midwestern fucking self respect that some people have. I have friends from St. Paul who will say, Yeah, I'm from Minneapolis. And it's like, come on. Shameful. You're from it's you're from St. Paul. So I have appreciate some
1: fucking pride. Yeah. That's right. The Juicy Lucy you. goes yeah. across the border, buddy.
2: <laughs> you bring in so- – well, I have to ask though, uh, speaking of nicknames, do you think that – and maybe this will be a referendum in future years, but should the city return to the name Pig's Eye, which was its original name?
3: Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think that the mayor should have to be drunk on rum like Pig's Eye Parant at all times.
2: In case people don't know, St. Paul was once known as Pig's Eye because that was the founder – a pirates named Pigsy who founded it
3: What yes. it,
0: that's, so I know. Much is, that's better
1: I mean you brought this up to me before we started recording Why is there a pirate in Minnesota? Minnesota is not near the <laughs> sea. This is a
3: big deal for me pirate wise. <laughs> he was a uh, Quebecois fur trader. Yeah, yeah, and he swindled literally everyone who spoke to him. Beautiful man. <laughs> Right? So he's got, it's Ooh. not,
1: like, important you're on a ship so much as that you just are, like, an untrustworthy lout, <laughs> and that makes you a pirate. Yeah, you well, be no. the Mississippi I mean, River yeah.
2: does go... D- the Twin Cities are divided by the Mississippi River, right. and there's a lot of uh, no good nicks doing mischief on the Mississippi. That's a historical through-line.
1: Wow. Old prejudices and die hard. <laughs> yeah.
2: And then the Catholics. The there Catholics came and that. made it to St. Paul. They cleaned up... Uh, Pig's eyes act not on the alcohol front, but in other ways. Pig's um, eye, but in a anyway, uh, bring it. There back. is a this is one respect in which St. Paul is better than Minneapolis, is that there are two referenda, one in each city, concerning rent stabilization, and is it fair to say that STP has a better one than Minneapolis's?
3: Yes. I think that's uh, very much true because uh, the St. Paul Ordinance actually imposes uh, rent control or rent stabilization uh, of 3%. So no landlord would be able to raise your rent more than 3% in any 12-month period, whereas the Minneapolis Ordinance is really just a permission slip to the city council to allow them to... Uh, uh, propose rent control ordinances themselves. And that's because the reason they need that permission slip is that at the state level, uh, there is a preemption uh, where no city can, through its legislative body, can enact rent control. But if the citizens bring it through a uh, ballot petition, then you can get rent control on the ballot. Nice. And so Minneapolis is open-ended.
2: St. Paul is 3%. Uh, why 3%? And this is probably a stupid question, but why not 0%? Why not just force every landlord in the
3: city to never raise the rent? So, well, commodification of our needs like housing is a really, really good goal to have. Uh, unfortunately, you may have noticed we have not killed capitalism yet. Uh, The whole society runs on money still, um, and the way that new housing is built, the way we meet the need of housing in our communities still does require money. Um, However, that 3% uh, cap number is actually about a percent and a half above the natural rate of rents increasing uh, across the city. So typically, year by year, your rent will go up. 1% 1% to 2%. That 3% is there as a hard cap to make sure that there's no gouging or extreme uh, rent raises when, say, ownership change, but nothing else about the property changes. Okay. And
2: you so you this uh, has been on the ballot since June, or the, got the requisite number of signatures in June to be on the ballot. And it has, um, as you might imagine, caused a bit of controversy in St. Paul, which is saying something um there have been dueling articles in local publications and outlets uh one of which was written by and there, you have a great twitter thread about this from a month or two ago a certain someone who's a friend of yours yeah who uh wrote an anti rent control uh screed in minpost and is not necessarily anti rent control in general but says that this particular uh proposal in st paul is Way extreme because um, it applies not only to existing housing, but new housing. Uh, what were some of his arguments and why is he wrong? <laughs>
3: um, well, uh, yes, uh, I won't name names because I don't need people talking shit online because he is still my friend, despite us screaming at each other for the last month. Um, But this fella and his anti-rent control uh, argument uh, really boils down to three things. Because he's correct. The St. Paul Ordinance is strict, and he thinks it's too strict. I think it's just right, because if you give a landlord an inch, they will take a fucking mile. So uh, it boils down to three things. The Rent Control Ordinance we have does not leave an exemption for new housing. So if a developer builds a new uh, building, the rent control applies to them. Typically, that's not true. If you build a new building, you get a grace period of however many years uh, where you can change the rents as you will in order to try and find the greatest profit for that building at the start of its life. Uh, So we don't have that exemption because – People live, who live in those new buildings deserve protection, too. The next argument is that uh, the rent control ordinance is not indexed to inflation.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So because this percentage isn't attached to inflation, uh, uh, opponents say, well, how can – if inflation goes up, how are landlords supposed to make a profit? And to that I say, I would be happy to listen to that argument as soon as my wages are indexed to inflation as well. Mm. Mm. The third argument is something called vacancy decontrol. And as New Yorkers, this might be a concept that you're aware of, where when a vacancy decontrol is when an apartment uh, is empty or vacant of a tenant, it is decontrolled from the rent stabilization. So if an apartment is empty, you can set whatever rent you want. Not so in St. Paul, because having that vacancy decontrol really incentivizes landlords to be as big of bastards as possible. Because what better way to get rid of a mm. tenant and raise that rent higher and higher than to make them fucking miserable? So we don't encourage bad behavior here in St. Paul. You toe the fucking line.
1: I just wanted to say that the general philosophy here, I think, is the thing to pick up. You can't give a landlord an inch. It's if you give a mouse a cookie, homelessness will run rampant through our city.
2: True. Yeah. And it's funny, you mentioned vacancy G-control, and that is a term I certainly remember from the uh, rent control push in 2019 in New York, which I was full disclosure involved in uh, a little bit. But its I don't remember what it means until you just said that. I remember talking about it to uh, voters and you know residents and uh, explaining it, and then it just left my head because so much of this stuff is ultra freaking wonky, right? And it's, I think, partially by design that these issues are extremely obtuse. They affect everybody who rents. Just everyone in my entire family uh, is a renter in St. Paul, but the, the logistics are so over everybody's head. Um and some of that is unavoidable but uh the sort of way that uh rent control is sort of is um they're able to stop it in a lot of places is sort of deferring to this uh economics machine um, right this stuff is complicated uh we got the market and this will screw up the market and your intentions are good this is what they said on free economics the intentions are good and the immediate uh impact is good rents go down but it's bad because in the long run, something else bad might happen to the real estate market. It's kind of what I call um, butterfly effect economics, right?
0: I think those those free guy don't they don't understand the free economy as well as they think they do.
2: Exactly. Yes. And in their view of the free economy, you give a mouse a cookie in twenty twenty one. And the, you know, in 2025, the mouse will want another cookie and that will destabilize markets in real estate or whatever. So if you much allow of this... a mouse
1: to invest a cookie at 3% interest every year. The mouse can then later afford to buy a cookie and then start production of their own cookies. Thank you. Yes, it's
2: uh, it's a threat to the system. Um, but yeah, how, how much of this, it just comes down to this sort of platonic view of the market. Um, and how should we go about that argument? It's just, you know, this is going to screw with the market. So, you know, their intentions are good, but the, the, uh, causality or the uh, impact that ultimately is going to be negative. How do we, how do we address that?
3: Uh, I think there's a pretty easy, uh, uh, way to address that. Those concerns about the economy is asking people to look where we are now, look around you. How's the housing market? Is it treating you well right now? Because the market has free reign right now. The market's taking care of it. And things are fucking terrible. I have no respect for the market. It has produced the situation where we feel like rent control is a necessity. We are here because the market has failed again and again and again. Because the market does not solve the problem of housing. The market solves one problem. And it solves that problem perfectly every single fucking time and that is how do you generate profits the market perfectly generates profits every single fucking time and the best way to generate a profit the best way to motivate people to spend money on housing is to have the strongest motivator to spend money possible which in the case of housing is homelessness so if you are working within the frame of the market to solve your housing problem, there is no universe where you will be able to completely defeat homelessness, because that's built in to help the market achieve the maximum amount of profit. And that's what the market's interested. It's not interested in whether or not you are safe and secure in your home. It's interested in the money. Right. And one of the rebuttals, too, to this will be, uh, hey, but you know,
2: we don't live in uh, a society where the market has been limited yet. Therefore, we need housing. And the only people who are going to build housing is the private sector. And what this rent cap will do is decrease the supply of uh, rented housing, because this has been studied. And overall, it does not actually decrease the supply of housing in general, but rental uh, units specifically, rent control can have an impact on that. But what say we to this, the supply issue? I would love to own my own home. Oh, so this will open the door to greater home
3: ownership. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, if, if that's, if the housing supply doesn't decrease and, uh, but the, number of renters in the city decreases, that means more people are owning the place where they live. And to me, that's not a bad thing. Right. Like it would be great because home ownership is just you buy and rent control for yourself. Your housing costs don't change once you buy that home. So why shouldn't the tenants of this city have the stability that comes with a mortgage and home ownership? Hmm.
1: So with, with rent control on the ballot coming up, what what are the what are they throwing at you in St. Paul? Like, how much money is on the other side trying to sink this?
0: Are you getting any like TV ads that are like, "Mr. St. Paul wants you to"?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, l- luckily, my name is not attached to the uh, uh, the ordinance um, because I annoy just about everybody in town. Um, so my presence is not necessarily a benefit. Um, but HENS, Housing Equity Now St. Paul, the organization that is uh, running this campaign has been running uh, commercials themselves with a budget of $215,000 that they've managed to raise so far. Now, the here's the fun part, where the opposition, the uh, Minnesota Multi-Housing Association, has successfully raised $4 million. which That's is a, a
1: lot ha- of hens! It surely is. Um, we got a cock in
3: the hen house. $4 million cock. It's 20 times the amount of money that the proponents of rent stabilization have raised. It's just they have... Nobody who is volunteering for them, nobody wants to do campaign work against rent stabilization, but they can sure as shit pay for it. And so you are seeing a lot of mailers like mailboxes are filling up with anti-rent control stuff. We have paid canvassers wandering around the city. But luckily, uh, Hens has organized their own canvases and we're meeting them point for point with people power. Even if we don't have an unlimited bank account, right? And
2: the paid canvassers uh, can be, I think, pretty hit or miss in my experience, Uh, mostly on the miss side because you know they're not—they don't actually necessarily care about the issue. Uh, You remember twenty twenty, Bloomberg, who I believe opened up a shop at where the uh, where the Money Pig used to be, right on on Dale Street. Yeah, the Money Pig. Um, the money pig, of There's course.
1: There's a cock in the money pig
2: house. <laughs> Muddy pig. But they uh, so many people working for Bloomberg were just effing f- off, basically, when they're supposed to be canvassing. And I think that's why he didn't follow through on his promise to give them health care through the uh, general election.
3: But um, I am grateful to Bloomberg for paying a bunch of broke-ass campaign workers in this town all that fucking money. So thanks for the bump to the economy, Mr. Bloomberg. Please stay the fuck out of my state in the future. <laughs> He's
1: leading by example. <laughs> Bless him. Mr. St. Paul says he wants to own his own home. <laughs> but what is he planning to do
2: in there? <laughs> <laughs> but so, the uh, yes, the, they aren't able to get a lot of volunteer canvassers. They are able to inspire uh, a sizable amount of op-ed writers who are sort of appealing to the inner wonk in uh, St. Paulites. Um, but I guess what I'm getting to here with the supply issue, and this mm-hmm. goes back to the issue of ultimate demo- decommodification which I think we all agree we need in housing, um, is will this lead to more public investment in housing, which I certainly want. Um, that's kind of the third rail in a lot of places because we've been, you know, propagandized about this issue of the projects and public housing is just automatically poor quality and all that stuff. But will this create incentive down the road for the city, for the state, or maybe the federal government to invest in
3: public housing in St. Paul? Absolutely, um, without a doubt, because I fully trust the landlords and the developers to follow through on their threats. They are threatening to not invest as much money in St. Paul. They are threatening all sorts of horrible things and agonies to rain down upon us should this ordinance pass. But I am tired at living at the end of their knife. I'm tired of having the housing market in our city having to pay tithe to their profits and When rent control passes, rent stabilization passes here in St. Paul, it's not going to cure the problem instantly, but it's going to put the power – it's going to move that power closer to the tenants. And we need to get to a place where we're taking care of our own problems without having to cut off a huge chunk of our efforts, energy, and resources to give to people's profit motives. If we want everyone in St. Paul to have a home, let's just solve the problem directly. Let's stop playing this game. Let's stop turning knobs and dials trying to get the market to behave. Let's just spend the money on the builders, build as many houses as we need, but we're not going to even get to that conversation. We're not even going to be talking about things like a public bank until we put some pressure on the opposition. Until we can prove that they are incapable of solving the problem, which I believe they are. And what are they saying to the issue of like
2: homelessness, for instance? Are they just like, we're gonna, you know, cut a three hundred dollar check every month to the Dorothy Day Center and get some like fifteen extra beds there? Like what
1: what's their proposal? We're making more pointy benches <laughs> outside the McDonald's. Right. This, uh- the clowns are going to be sharper
2: these in, i don't know if they have them in, in minnesota but here in dc there's a bench downtown that has a statue of a homeless person sleeping on it to honor and it them. effectively prevents
1: <laughs> yeah it's to honor them and it it's, it's the balto system yeah
2: but it literally prevents someone without a place to sleep from
1: sleeping I would rip someone's head off if I was homeless and I had found the one bench around. What
0: and are you look at fake homeless like, guy like <laughs> you? You're like, what does it mean? <laughs> Whoa.
2: <laughs> maybe
0: I
3: hallucinated no, no! this. It was me the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> well, to answer your question, uh, Anders, uh, the commercial interests in the housing market just don't talk about homelessness. They have no reason to. They have no incentive. It's not their problem. At least they view it that way. I definitely think it's their problem to provide enough housing for the cities. That's why they should be paid. That should be why there's money in the housing market is to fulfill that need. But the focus for them is just on the profit margin. And so there's no need for them to solve homelessness. There's no need for them to talk about homelessness unless – Somebody is pressuring them to do so, and so we need to start doing that. And so, one of the concerns,
2: I guess, from the vantage point of Hens, is that this, if it passes, is going to be kicked then to the city government, and the city council is a bit divided. Mayor Melvin Carter, who, another full disclosure, I uh, used to rent videos to when he was uh, Ward One Old city school. councilman. Um,
1: Anders, you must <laughs> recuse yourself. <laughs> yeah, I have a bias. <laughs> Your video is history this? is compromising. This is 2007,
2: <laughs> early 2008. Um, okay. Box office video on you got to leave the Selby podcast. For and uh, McCubbin, uh, but he has just announced at the mayoral debate that he was going to vote yes on the ordinance. Um, but it's going to be in his hands to tweak it. Right when it when after it goes up to to the city council level, uh, what is sort of the worst case scenario with what the uh, city council will do to the ordinance? Could they perhaps uh, make it better or uh, not change it at all? Like what's the, what's the situation there?
3: Well, this is unfortunately where we get into some pessimism um, (laughs) because St. Paul successfully uh, passed some tenant protections basic stuff like making sure rented properties are safe and that tenants know their rights on evictions and stuff like that. However, as soon as the landlords sued about that, it didn't even go to court. We didn't even fight the fight legally. The city council just repealed the tenant protections Before there was any sort of actual fight. And this was literally this year that we repealed uh, uh, tenant protections while we're collecting the petitions and the signatures for the petitions uh, to get rent stabilization on the ballot. So this city council does not have a good track record when it comes to tenant protections. So um, unfortunately, there is a majority of four out of seven that will be voting no uh, on the rent stabilization ballot. And so it is my full expectation that they will do their very, very best to gut this ordinance once it passes. Um, The hope is, is that a, this will cost them political capital. Uh, Nobody wants to be the person disassembling something good for people. Um, And two, the hope is is that we can salvage something out of the disassembly of this ordinance once it passes. Um, so I'm not super excited about the idea of the council sticking their fingers into things once we pass this ordinance. But um, it's still going to be a huge win, and I live in St. Paul, and our motto is sort of take what you can get. <laughs>
2: That's the city motto. I I didn't know that, but that makes complete sense. Um, it's on the flag. <laughs>
1: so, yeah, so I can't imagine why this place has a bad reputation.
3: Yeah. Are you Other talking being... shit
1: about St. Paul? I'll get on a plane. That's just what I've heard. It's that place next <laughs> to Minneapolis, I hear. That's
2: better than just thinking it
3: is Minneapolis, which most people. Now, hold think. on. So. <laughs> the most accurate description I have heard of the Twin Cities <laughs> is that Minneapolis is the last West Coast city, and Saint Paul is the last East Coast city before the Mississippi. Right. And as East Coasters, you should have my oh, back on this. Oh, interesting. I certainly do.
2: Um, yeah. What is so? Uh, that's that's what, dis- what uh, bisects it, right? Because the right. Um, Timberwolves are technically in the NBA West, whereas if I'm not mistaken, and I don't follow hockey that much, but I believe the Wild, which plays in St. Paul, they're in the East. Is that correct? I believe so. Yes, that's how I that's how I imagine East and West. But yeah, but literally, uh, the Mississippi River does that's where East and West in the country uh, goes down. So yeah, I anyone on the East Coast should have St. Paul's back, and and again, Catholic is hell.
3: Which one city. is Kia right. and which one's Tamara?
0: Um, if we're talking twins.
3: oh, <laughs> I'm not going to play this game with you.
0: <laughs> it sounds like I got Andrew. He is good. the brainy one.
3: We St. are Paul. poor idiots on a Zoom call. I'm not going to play this Disney Channel game with you.
1: It's kind of a Tamara response. <laughs> oh, a little Jesus bit, Christ. isn't it? Yeah.
2: Coming from Mr. St. Paul. I think St. Paul, St. Down Paul down is Lisa. That's what I'm going to say. Okay. There we go. Because it's the hottest. Um... Anyway, so, well, speaking of across the river, Minneapolis has, of course, the ballot initiative we just mentioned, uh, their sort of uh, bit of a half-assed rent control measure, although it may stand a better chance of passing because it has less teeth. But they uh, have a couple other ballot measures there as well, Mm -hmm. uh, one of which... Uh, I think a lot of uh, left-wing people in the country are focused on, and that is creating a Department of Public Safety that could one day potentially subsume the Minneapolis Police Department. Um, What does that ballot say, Initiative say, and uh, how are its prospects looking?
3: Yes. So there are uh, three ballot questions in Minneapolis this year, and the Department of Public Safety question that we are talking about is the second question of three. And so uh, if you vote yes on this ballot question, you are in support of a Department of Public Safety. Now, this doesn't abolish the police. It does not defund them. It just strips away a lot of the charter-based protections and really rigid rules that are there to support the Minneapolis Police Department, like minimum staffing levels. What this uh, ordinance question will do, if it passes, is it will allow resources to be spread out more evenly uh, and allocated in such a way that we can better address the actual problems of the city instead of spending uh, every red cent on the cops.
1: Is the hope that once we have a Department of Public Safety, we can then transition that to a committee of public safety to start chopping (laughs) people's heads off?
3: (laughs) Well, um, as a St. Paulite, uh, I do not care what the disgusting uh, Minneapolis do with their city or their time. um, But it sure would be nice to not have the cops take every single dollar in the city at all times. And if you know what? I was about to say something that was going to get me in trouble if somebody ever heard this. Keep in mind, we're That's on right. the radio. That's right. So I'm just going <laughs> to say we adapted. Not have
0: police and give everyone free video games. This ad was paid for by Mr. <laughs> Minneapolis.
2: <laughs> uh, but the other – so. The opposition to it, uh, I take it they're pretty well-funded, and their big concern is that this is, opens the door to uh, no more police, a full-on ACAB situation in Minneapolis um, where police will not be called to deal with uh, mental health crises and things that they shouldn't be doing.
3: Right. So well, I will say that that is true, that it does open the door to this sort of thing – um it's also so fucking far away from that reality of no police of defunding the police that you know there might as well be a 50 mile long hallway behind that door like things are not going to change the day that this uh ordinance passes like you know the most immediate change is that a bunch of minneapolis police will get their feelings very very much hurt and they will quit their jobs which is something that they have already been doing in droves ever since George Floyd's murder last year.
1: Not to mention, since there's been a requirement to get vaccinated, I don't know if you've (laughs) seen these wonderful videos going around. Cops quit their jobs and then (laughs) post, like, uh, all the guys who quit are here at the homeless center feeding all the homeless people. And it's like, this is a huge improvement. I don't know why you're sharing this with us. Huge improvement. When you have your job, you spend all your time beating these people up. I don't know what you think we want you to do, but this is way better. Yeah,
0: or they'll just be like talking about <laughs> it in their car, just like crying or something. <laughs> You're just like, what? Yeah. this is what we wanted. Why? <laughs> like, why do you think this is an ode <laughs> to show us like that you quit your job?
2: I'm also curious about the precinct that was um, destroyed honorably in uh, in June of or May or June of 2020. Uh are they rebuilding it? Is is in that on that same location are they making another police precinct or is it gonna be something else? Could it be, a it's
1: be a spirit Halloween. Halloween.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um, there has been a lot of talk about uh rebuilding that precinct or not rebuilding that precinct. That is still very much a question of debate in this town. Um and likely the fate of that question is going to be decided in this mayoral election, in this election, in Minneapolis this year, depending on the way things go. Right. And, of course, we got Gentra Jacob
2: Jacob, uh, running for re-election for mayor of Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Who are his opponents, and do they stand a chance, any of them?
3: Absolutely. Um, so it's sort of a three-way race at this point, um, and it is wide open. Uh, anybody who tells you they know what's going to happen – uh, they are talking out of their ass. So uh, the candidates running are Jacob Fry, uh, the slimiest mayor in all of the Midwest. Uh, we have Kate Knuth, who's sort of the uh, more moderate Democrat, who is a vast, vast improvement over Jacob. And then we have uh, Sheila Nazad, uh, who is a probably the furthest left of the three candidates running. Um, and it's been an interesting race to watch because Jacob has all the money in the world, has the incumbency and every advantage, and he has run—I wouldn't say a strong campaign. Um, it's gotten to the point where all he of t- is a
2: weak mayor. Technically, Minneapolis has a weak mayor system, so he can't legally run a strong campaign. That's in the uh, charter.
3: Well, I think he has a weak character as well, and I will probably catch some heat for being so plain about that. But um, he's done a terrible job, and it's to the point where his campaign events have a bouncer, and he <laughs> goes you – know, that's ha, unfortunately <laughs> that's true. Crazy. And he also goes nowhere <laughs> without his uh, beautiful newborn child strapped to his chest. You can't yell at a man with a baby Bjorn
0: human shield yeah totally you can't hit me have a baby right. on me you're a big <laughs> hitter if you hit me uh
2: and this is an important race for not only the future of minneapolis but for the state of minnesota because yeah. if he wins re-election then we're looking at what governor fry senator fry congressman fry he might might he challenge uh, ilhan omar who who has uh dipped her toes into this mayoral race she
3: endorsed one of his opponents isn't that correct she endorsed both of his opponents, nice. actually, both Sheila and Damn. Kate. Um, and that's been a... Re- New York Times. That's, well, yeah, it's endorsed. You know, it's it's not so mealy-mouthed as the New York Times shit, because in Minneapolis, we have ranked choice voting. So you get okay. to vote for three different people. And both the Kate campaign and the Sheila campaign have very, very smartly played very nice with each other. So it, it is the my understanding that both camps are urging vote for me first but then vote for the other second do not rake jacob fry there's a whole hashtag called don't rake fry yeah that's uh, how we got rid of andrew yang because <laughs> 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 everyone's
0: like whatever you do no yeah <laughs> well now we want him fucking back after
2: ricky adams won that thing but uh yeah, I remember the first time I ever voted was actually in Minneapolis in 2009. The first one of the first cities, I believe, to do rank choice voting, one of the first major cities anyway. And mm-hmm. uh, they couldn't even find the guy I voted for. Like, they were trying to take a photo of him for the newspaper, and he was, like, hand in camera. He was some just, like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is a great Anders Lee. Yeah. Story. <laughs>
2: shit. <laughs> But he, I don't even remember his name. But he was like from North Minneapolis, and he was like, "Fuck RT Ryback." That was his whole
0: thing. But uh, which brings you voted an obscure person of all time. <laughs> <laughs> that makes so much sense.
2: First person I, I ever voted for. I was 18. Um, but uh, this brings me to, I guess, my last question as we're rounding out here: uh, Who has the better cranks? Because Minneapolis, it, one of the candidates there. Is Bob Carney, who has I was shocked, is still alive. But he's been running for every office since like nineteen eighty five. Um, he's a shiny headed bald man with Coke bottle glasses, who is a Republican, but he's running to make the Republican Party a liberal party once again. Uh, and one of his planks, at least at one point, you gotta
1: get these important issues out right. there. <laughs>
2: But one of his plans at one point was to like build a bike skyway from I think Minneapolis to South Dakota or something like that. He's a very wacky guy. Uh, but what is a bike skyway? Well, we have these things in the Twin Cities called skyways where they connect buildings. You can walk basically across like
1: elevated platforms. Yeah, yeah.
2: He wanted to build a big bike highway, uh, which is four a cool bikes
1: idea. to the, the American sky, South. I guess
2: so. No, no, South Dakota, South Dakota, so okay, yeah, South
1: West. Dakota, South Dakota, it's still far away on a bike. Yes, Am absolutely. I crazy here. South Dakota no, hundreds
2: of miles, by the way, has probably you will relate to this as someone who lives in Minnesota, the catchiest theme song ever. They play ads for South Dakota on air in the Twin Cities all the time because they want people to go on vacation to it. And it's like South Dakota. It's like. Ivan Neshniaj, Honey,
0: let's yeah. go. I, wow, it's what a hypnotic. great ad. I it's I
2: swear great. to God, like 15
1: years later, it's still stuck in my brain. But anyway. We got wide open spaces in all the places <laughs> that you want to go. South Dakota. South Dakota. Anyway, in St. Paul. Take a bike on the skyway and have all <laughs>
2: time. Great rendition. But in St. Paul, we have, and I watched a bit of the mayoral debate. They're not as competitive, I will say. Um, And by the way, just another leg up on Minneapolis. They Because TPT Almanac, the local sort of PBS affiliate, uh, is based out of St. Paul, all the Minneapolis candidates had to go to St. Paul to debate over who gets to be mayor of Minneapolis, which I thought was a little fun thing. But um, we have in the mayoral race there, Frogman. A guy who wears frog eyes because he's from Frogtown. That's right, Paul. The Frogtown Crusader. That's right. Who is the better
0: crank? Can you explain the words that are coming out of the mouth? (laughs) (laughs) Okay,
3: let's slow it down for Jake. Um, The Frogtown Crusader (laughs) is a young gentleman who loves running for public office and he wears frog eyes on his head. And a green blazer. And that's sort of his character, is that he is the Frogtown Crusader. Now, when I say frog eyes, I do mean that he has filled two green socks and strapped them to his head and put eyeballs on the end of them. And so they sort of dangle jauntily on the side of his head. And he does look like (laughs) a sort of deranged green noid. Yeah, that's not what frog's eyes look like at all. That's very
0: much more noidy. Yeah. But you know, who am I to get involved in Midwest <laughs> politics? I
3: don't and uh, to the, the question of better cranks, I would see your Bob Carney and raise you a Bob Hosco, who has also been running uh, for public office since before I've been alive. And this man, beautiful brain, beautiful brain. He wants barbed wire around Every train station in town. He wants an avenue of flags. That's right. Up and down (laughs) University (laughs) Avenue. He wants a flag 75 feet tall. Every fucking block from nations all around the world. And why do you ask? Because business do you want me to elaborate on that? Absolutely not.
1: Because people will come to see the flags. And then while they're there, they'll maybe buy something. No, Alex, we didn't even
3: get that far logically. We got to business. <laughs> End of thought.
0: <laughs> the word business. The word. What? Flags and business. What do you not yeah, understand? He wants on. to
2: make Frogtown, which is a neighborhood in St. Paul. He wants to change yeah. it into Flagtown.
3: Is that what you're telling me? Uh No, oh. he wants this to be a flag city. Mr. Oh, St.
1: wants to make Frogtown into Flagtown.
0: <laughs> what is happening in my mind? I right feel now? like
1: we're having a
3: collective stroke together.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: no, uh, our cranks are that much more powerful in this town.
2: Okay. I like the frog guy
0: a lot. Well, you heard it there. Yeah,
3: uh, <laughs> um Multiple. everyone's
0: named Bob and they all have a flag based agenda. This is insane.
3: Yeah. A lot of Bob's Bob's. welcome to the Midwest. We're morons. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Sky bikes.
2: (laughs) But uh, last question, very briefly, because I want to make sure we get this out for uh, socialists who are listening anywhere, even internationally. What is the one sentence or two sentence pitch you use to residents for rent control that we can take and copy-paste to any political situation? Oh, big question.
3: I should have prepped you on that first. No, that's all right. I just want to make sure I get it right because it's worth getting right. Um, Housing is the most important part of a person's stability in their life. And every person, whether they are a homeowner or a tenant, deserves that type of stability so that the rest of their life can be as productive and healthy and joyful as anyone else is in the community in which they live.
2: Boom, Mr. St. Paul, Tom Baskin, thank On you so record. much for, thank you for joining
3: us. Uh, where can people find My you? Pleasure. Uh, they can find me at Tom Bastion on Twitter. That's at T-O-M-B-A-S-G-E-N. Uh, it's extremely local to St. Paul and extremely dumb. Hell <laughs> oh, yeah. Great.
2: Right. Well, thank you again. Have a great... Uh, have a. You're going to a wedding today. Have fun.
1: I will. Thank you. Come see Tom at this wedding. Absolutely not. You're not invited. <laughs> and that's it for us this week. Everybody go out there and vote your ass off. <laughs> that's still happening wow
0: I forgot about that guy they really t- that that outlasted him it's more to, important yeah.
1: than ever for us to do it
0: yeah I'm gonna so, continue to refer to my ass as my oss
1: my ass my on <laughs> <oss. Sounds> german <laughs> it's yeah. gone
0: well they voted it you. off Just <laughs> say shit like well fuck me in the oss. oh I'm a democrat <laughs> by the way
1: that guy uh, lost. He lost both times he ran, right? Lost No, he, off, he's though. in the Senate right now. Oh, okay, good for him. Probably one is Yeah. We do plugs. He's so great. I think we should probably tell everybody where to find us and then never our record office. again. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Hello everyone. I'm gonna be at the fest in Gainesville on Halloween weekend. Also be in Jacksonville uh November first at um oh shit. It's at Eraser Records, not at Rain Dogs. Eraser Records, I think, is the name of the venue. It'll all be on my Twitter. Um, the other podcast is Why You Mad. That's it. Anders?
2: At Anders Lee here on Twitter. Other jobs redacted tonight. You can find that on YouTube and portable.tv. And um, if you are in the Twin Cities and you liked what you heard about hens, then you can get involved. We'll link their Twitter account at H-E-N-S-T-P on Twitter, and you can find out stuff to do for them. They need canvassers Um, in Minneapolis. You know how to vote. Anyone but Fry and vote for the Department of Public Safety. Vote against making Fry a strong mayor. And, uh, well, I don't know. Well, we didn't get into that question, the strong, weak mayor situation. But there's so much to plug here before this election, of course, in Boston, Michelle Wu has, is a decent candidate. And last but certainly not least, India Walton. I think this is going to be a very, very close race in Buffalo. So please go all out for her. We'll put a link in the
1: description for you to volunteer. And I'm on Twitter at Patak Test Kitchen. And that's us for another week. We hope to see you at the henhouse with the $4 million cock.
0: Steve in Frog Town baby